Thanks, Anna. I'm feeling well over the appropriate age this morning. I've just managed to sneak into the young adults thing. They say it's 18 to 35, and I'm 35 for about nine more months. So I'm just in there. Thanks heaps, guys. You can head down and take a seat. Um, Yeah, so I wasn't at summer camp, obviously, but was able to be at the event on Friday night and Saturday morning, and that was fantastic. We had Simon Austin from Everyone Church um, down, I don't even know where the region's called, down in the southwest. Um, Where is it? Harrington Park sort of area. He's a great guy. Um, And we were really encouraged by what he was able to pass on. And I love these opportunities for the rest of us to be able to kind of hear what's been going on for people and try and catch some of that fire. You know, I think that's really, really important. Um, I was praying and thinking just before I get into what I'm going to talk about today um, about our young crew and those of you who were at summer camp and the young leaders and all of that and just felt God saying... um, really strongly, don't look back. Don't look back. It's really easy at these times, like you're feeling all the the emotions, you feel really pumped up or passionate or on fire. And so this is a time now to make habits. This This is the time now to make habits, to get into new territory and then burn the bridge behind you. And maybe have a think about what those bridges are that you need to burn behind you, because other times it won't be quite so easy to do that. But when you've got the fire in you, it's easier to burn the stuff around you when you need to. And so don't be worried about the, the, the past and all that stuff. It says in Isaiah 52 that the Lord is our rear guard. So you don't need to look back. He's got your past covered. He's got the old habits covered. Now is a really good time to move forward um, and to make those new habits because it's a lot easier to do now. And a lot of us are still really just like living on the benefits of things that God was able to do in us at those sorts of times. You know, you're not going to feel this pump up all the time. You're just not. I mean, maybe you are actually. And then I'd, I want to hang around you more because I need some of that. But it's most likely not going to be like that. But now you set the tone for everything else. And for everyone else, for all the rest of us, let's get around these guys. Like, I don't know all of them, but the ones that I know, man, there is maturity there. Like there is serious grounding and roots and maturity and I'm learning things being around them and let's get around them and encourage them. And what I think happens way too much in church, like I love that we don't have a young people's service and an oldies service and a something else. I grew up in a church that had that. Um, There were some good things about it, but there was like the family service and then there was the 1045 service, which we used to call the Blue Rinse service because it was the one that... uh, Anyway, um, and then there was a young adult service at night, and, and, but we were all separate. We, we, did, we weren't in each other's lives. And it did mean it was easier because we could pick music that didn't offend anyone and they could pick old hymns and we could dance around and everyone was happy in that sense. You know, the cordial was stronger at one service than at another one and whatever else. But it, that's not life. Um, Rach and I have really depended on, particularly in our early 20s, there were some couples that we did church with who befriended us and it became like church parents for us. I mean, for Rach, even more than me, that was huge because she didn't grow up in a Christian home. And there are a couple of couples that she thinks of as like her Christian parents in a way. You know, it's kind of like that. Um, and there's too much of this goes on where like the young people will be like, oh, the old people just probably think I'm, you know, young and stupid and whatever. And the old people probably go, oh, the young people probably think I'm just like an old fuddy-duddy and I'm not cool. And we keep out of each other's hair and it's like, no, no, don't do that. Like if you're, if you're 
anywhere, like our age group, and like I'm talking to myself here, let's get around these people, get to know them, befriend them. And young people, like seek out people to learn from and people to to get around them. And and like, let's get that all happening because it's really, really important. And these are special opportunities to be able to recognise that. So I'll park that bus because that's not really anything to do with what I'm talking about today. Um, my, yeah, my talk today is called On Earth As It Is In Heaven. On Earth As It Is In Heaven, which is obviously based on one of the first lines that we have in the Lord's Prayer when the disciples asked Jesus to you know, teach them how to pray. And he's like, this then is how you should pray and all of that. But I want to start by asking you a little question. I'm not going to get you to respond out loud because it's not an easy question. Um, I've asked a few people this question over the last couple of weeks, not just randomly, like on the train or something, but people that I know. But I just want you to think about how, how you would answer this. Um, what is heaven? What is heaven? And where is heaven? What is heaven? Where is heaven? And when is heaven? What is heaven? Where is heaven? When is heaven? A lot of us, even if we know that it's not necessarily the way it is, you know, your brain might go to the idea of fluffy white clouds populated by winged angels sitting around with harps and singing kumbaya and eating Philly cheese and all these sorts of things. Or maybe your brain kind of goes to, you think of heaven, you think purely of like a future destination, like where I want to go when I die. And like, that's, that's good. Um, Maybe you think of a place in the skies or in space. And this is, this is how people in the ancient Near East tended to think of heaven. The word for heavens in, in Hebrew is literally just the skies. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In, in the beginning, God created the skies and the earth is kind of what it's saying. And they would say the kingdom of the skies. You know, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the skies, they thought of the world as, as flat and of the, the skies as a blue dome. That's what sometimes gets called the firmament. And so rain was like when the water got through that little dome. And so the skies were whatever was on the other side of that dome, the heavens. That's where heaven was in their ancient cosmology. You know, they didn't have telescopes and satellites and all this stuff. So that kind of makes sense. Um, but it very much Jesus was working into this world that thought of heaven as up there, distant, far away. And, and we still often do that. We think of heaven as up there, distant, far away. Um, I grew up in a house with a couple of Cliff Richard pa- uh, fans for parents. Um, and my first ever rock concert was to see Cliff Richard and Olivia Newton-John at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. It was actually a great concert. But Cliff had this song, it was a cover actually, but most of his good songs were. But he had this this line um, in this famous song, From a Distance, and it says, God is watching us, God is watching us, God is watching us from a distance. No. Well, that's, that's how we often think of it, right? God up there watching us from a distance. And this is the world that Jesus was speaking into as well. That's how ancient Near East people thought of the heavens. But in Matthew 6.10, It says, and you know this one well, I'm sure, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, that's where he is, cool. Heaven is God's space, that's what we've picked up already. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Heaven is God's space. Our Father is in heaven. And in heaven, everything operates according to God's will. Right? This is one of the things that came up as I was talking to people about what do you think heaven is? I'd get words like it's, it's where God is. It's God's space. It's where everything happens you know, perfectly and wonderfully and it's eternal and all these good responses. You could think of it as heaven is this a, a parallel realm, a parallel world, a parallel dimension to not get all doo-doo-doo-doo on you where everything is peaceful and joyful and right and beautiful and wonderful and whole. And earth is our space. And when I look around me, or I don't even need to look around me, I just look inside of me, I don't always see that. Like, I don't always see God's will happening. Not just outside of me, like in me. I don't have to look very far. We'll try something. This one you can respond out loud, please. Um, When I say dark, you say? When I say up, you say? When I say quiet, you say? When I say heaven, you say? Interesting, right? In the Bible, the usual contrast for heaven isn't hell. It's not to say that the Bible doesn't have plenty to say about hell. It does. Jesus does. I was reading the Sermon on the Mount last night and was reminded how often he brings it up, actually. But if you search Bible Gateway for heaven and hell in quotation marks, you will get Zero responses. At no point in the Bible does it say heaven and hell together like that. If you search heaven and earth, you get a myriad of responses. Not to say the Bible doesn't have much to say about it. The Bible, though, is not primarily the story of people being on earth, living their life as a little test, and then one day being assigned, depending on whether they either did the right thing, wrong thing, or whether they believed right things and wrong things, to either heaven or hell. That's primarily not what the story is about. Some of you get uncomfortable at that idea. There's some truth in that, but that's a very anemic view of what the gospel is and of what the Bible is all about. The story of the Bible is the story of heaven and earth, as in the place where God dwells and the place where we dwell, once at the beginning overlapping in Eden, then being violently ripped apart by sin then of the story of heaven reinvading earth, first through a family of people, then through Jesus, and then through you. Until one day at the consummation of all things, heaven and earth will overlap once again in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what the story of the Bible is about. So today we're focusing on heaven and earth, not heaven and hell. I'm not ignoring hell. I'm not trying to avoid an uncomfortable topic. I've been, you know, guys know I'm okay with uncomfortable topics. That might be another day. But heaven and earth is what we're talking about today. Jesus said very little about going to heaven, although he did clearly believe in an afterlife. He said stuff about that. There's not much in the Bible about going to heaven when you die. There's a lot in the Bible, and Jesus says a lot about the kingdom of heaven coming here. Not much about us just going off to heaven, a lot about heaven coming to earth. Listen to these and we'll pop these up on the screen. Matthew 3 verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 4 verse 17, exactly the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 10 verse 7, as you go proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. What do we see? Some real common threads here. Repent, 
obviously turns up. Now, repent's an interesting word because it's sort of died to its Christianese-ness. Repent in the Hebrew means to turn around. In the Greek, it means to change the way you think. So it means to do a 180. It doesn't mean this idea of like, repent. It's, it's like, let's change everything. Let's change the way that we think. And then, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's come to us. It's right here. It is at hand. Depending on the translation you read, the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it is in your midst or it is, it is you know, right there. Heaven is God's space. Heaven is now. Heaven is near. That's what we see. So where it says repent for the kingdom of heaven has had come near, it could just as easily say, change the way you think because God's world and God's will is near. It's not up there, out there. It's come near. It's breaking in. That's what Jesus is saying to us. And what does that, what does that mean? And, and where is it? You know, I, I look around me and I see a world with, yes, a lot of beauty and joy, but also a lot of like horror, right? I mean, you, you, you were listening to those prayer requests this morning. Like that's some full on stuff we're talking about. Rach and I lost an old friend this week and we had our pet bird die. Like this world is not ideal. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not living heaven on earth right now. And we like to make it look like that on our Instagram pages, but it's definitely not true. This is certainly not heaven. Um. Put your hand up if you're... Do we have any, any fans of the show Stranger Things in the house today? Not many. You guys are making me feel very unholy, right? I love the show Stranger Things. Um, I normally don't like scary fantasy or sci-fi kind of shows. I watched the first 10 minutes of it once and was like, that looks scary, not watching that. And then it was our pe- my mum and dad that were like, no, it's actually really good, you should try it. And if they were okay with it, I was like, okay, it can't be too bad. Um, it was kind of scary for the first couple of episodes, but Rach, ended up, Rach and I ended up being fully into it. It's an amazing show. Um, but to give you a little bit of, of a background, I'm going to use this as an illustration. And sorry, this does kind of spoil some bits, but too bad you've had like eight years to get into the show. So <laughs> you, you just missed the boat a little bit. Um, I, no, I'm not actually going to wreck it, but just a little bit. But in Stranger Things, there's these normal people, they're living in the 80s, these kids, and they begin to sense another world. They begin to sense this parallel dimension, which is like their world, but it's so much worse. And they come to know it as what they call the upside down. There's this parallel dimension going on like the real world. Here's a picture of it. But it's the upside down. And it's a world where darkness and death and decay and sadness and loneliness permeate everything. Okay, so both worlds exist simultaneously, but there's this barrier or this veil between them. And most people haven't known this, but this barrier or this veil starts to get thinner and things start to move between them and, and monsters start to come through eventually and, and, you know, there's communication going on between the two and one guy gets stuck in there and then other people go in to try and get him. So this is some of our, some of our goodies, right? This is, this is Mike and Lucas and Dustin up the top. They're in the real world. And this is their buddy, Will, who's stuck in the upside down. This world of loneliness and decay and sadness and terror and all of this. And the whole show then is about how all of that unwraps and, you know, different things go on. But like, we, we, we might pull that off just in case we freak people out too much now, Eva. Um, but go watch Stranger Things if you want to get into a show. Uh, but just like 
the Stranger Things has the, the normal world, the real world, and the upside down, I'd like to propose that we actually live in kind of a similar spiritual reality. Instead of us being here and heaven being way up there somewhere, and instead of it being the real world and the upside down, we kind of live in the upside down. And the kingdom of heaven is the right side up. But it is right here. There's only a thin barrier, a thin veil. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is right here. It's not out there. It's right here amongst us. And at times there are invasions. It breaks through. But at times we're not aware of it like the characters in the show. And this, this right side up kingdom, this is beauty and light and joy and connection and wholeness and healing and creativity and music and abundance and, you know, everything that you can think of like that. And it's near. But we are so unaware of it sometimes. Um, my little boy Judah, when he was, because a couple of years ago, we were wandering around, I'm not quite sure where, somewhere in a built-up area at night. Might have been the city or I don't know when we would have been. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We were wandering around with him and holding hands, walking along the path in this built-up bright area at night. And he looked up and he said, huh, they don't have stars in the city. I was like, what are you talking about, buddy? They, they don't have stars. He says, no, they don't. I can't see them. And I was like, no, well, you've got all these other lights in your eyes. You can't see that the stars are there. And he was like, well, how do you know the stars are there? I was like, well, I know they're there because I've seen them when I didn't have the lights in my eyes. And I think it's a lot like that with the kingdom of heaven being near to us. The kingdom of heaven is there. It is near. It is, it is approaching. It is at hand. But a lot of the time we've got so much of the lights in our eyes of distraction of everything else, quite literally sometimes the lights of our phone or whatever else it is, our worries, our distractions that we don't even remember that it's right there, at hand, accessible, ready for us to draw on. But if we cultivate a life where we know that, where we spend time in that world, seated in heavenly places, when the lights aren't all in our eyes, then when the lights are all in our eyes and we're not feeling it, you don't sense God's presence like you might in a worship time or something, then even when we don't see it, we can trust that it's there. These characters in, in Stranger Things got to the point where they, they knew the upside down was there and was trying to break in. And even when they didn't sense it, they knew that they needed to be aware and doing things about that. And ours is the same, but in this, in this positive sense of even when we can't sense heaven, if we have spent time dwelling on it, meditating on it, then when we can't see it, we know it is right there. Um, you'll often hear the terminology of the upside down kingdom, right? Have you heard that before? Often, it's not actually in the Bible, but it comes from an author called Donald Craybill who wrote a book. And it's, it's talking about how the whole way of Jesus is, is countercultural, right? The first will be last, the last will be first. Those who humble themselves will be exalted and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. It's a, it's a great way to think about it. It makes sense. I'm not rebelling against that term. I've often used it. But again, I'd like to propose the kingdom is an upside down. The kingdom's right side up. This is, this is the upside down. Um, one of my favourite theologians, N.T. Wright, 
um, says this quote here, God's sphere and ours are not far apart and at certain times and places they interlock. Sometimes the boundary between them is a thin partition in which to some people and at some times a door is opened or a curtain pulled back so the people in our dimension can see what's going on in God's dimension. And that's us. We're to pull those curtains back for people. We're told to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not as it will be in heaven one day at the end of all things. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now. Right here, right now. Jesus' conquering of death makes being in God's presence possible anytime, right? So for believers, as Bill Johnson often says, for believers, most closed heavens are between the ears. I think it's really true. It's, it's in, our, in our thinking. Um, we're going to turn our attention to the screens for a minute. I've got a little video here um, from the Bible Project, which just talks about this idea of heaven and earth with an awesome illustration, which would be much better than me trying to do it on a whiteboard. And then I'll do a little bit more unpacking. So why don't you turn your attention to the screen? I love the Bible project. So God's ideal for humans on earth is that we would work with him to fill earth with his kingdom. Hopefully that's kind of what you've, you've picked up from that. And like he says in Mark 1.15, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What, what good news? The good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near now. And like I said with Judah's little story, we can be so distracted by the lights in our eyes that we don't notice that the kingdom of heaven is right there, ready to invade. We can have so many lights in our eyes, pulling our attention and our affections, and they can be good things, right? Even serving God. But that we we then forget to cultivate a life of being aware of God's kingdom. The right side up that I'm meant to bring here. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say will seat us in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. It says that he's done it. You're just a breath away from being seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Right? It's like... Oh, I might not. That's a sidetrack I won't have time for. It, but in, in my day-to-day, do I, do, I cons- do I consecrate time and space to be aware of heaven's nearness? And I realise how pie in the sky this can sound. Like I was, uh, I've had a really full-on week with the kids this week. They've not been easy. Um, Rachel's had a, a huge amount of work to do. And on Wednesday afternoon or Thursday afternoon, or I don't know, this, this week's had about 45 days in it, um, they were all losing the plot at the same time and I was trying to get them out the door to go to mum and dad's. Maybe it was Friday actually. And then Lucy decided while I was trying to help Zoe put her swimmers on, she unloaded three different board games all over the floor. And I was like, oh, you're kidding me, Lucy. And I came back in and then left Zoe. And then I, so I packed all these board games up and sorted them all out. And then when I got back to Zoe, she'd, she'd upturned her whole thing of soft toys all across her room and started pulling out her dress ups. And I was like, no, Zoe, stop. You need to do this. And I was getting cranky there. And then I walked back in and all the board games that I'd put away, I'd put them up high, but Zoe had found two decks of cards. and it, Sorry, Lucy had. And just strewn them across the floor. And I just went, everybody, stop. 
like I just was losing the plot. And straight away it came to me, I was like, man, heaven does not feel close right now. Like, this is just insane. This is stupid. I even said to the kids, I'm like, this is insane, guys. This is insane. What are we doing? And they're looking at me like, You're, you've lost it. And I was like, yeah, I kind of have. Um, so I realised that this, it's, you know, I'm not just sitting here being like, let's all be, you know, I, I get that. But have you ever heard the phrase uh, about people where they go, oh, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think if our perception, instead of heaven being, that maybe that makes sense if you think of heaven as way up there, out there, and you're just floating around in a little absent-minded world. But if your understanding of heaven is that it is close, it is here, it is real, it wants to get into the nitty-gritty and it wants to make a difference and invade, then I think the goal is that we can be so heavenly-minded that we are earthly good. I think our goal, the whole goal is that we can be so heavenly minded that we are earthly good, that we can live from that place of, of pulling back the curtain for people and bringing about a heaven on earth collision right in the middle of what they're up to. On that whole train of thought, the same sort of thing. In Philippians 3.20, Paul says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Not we will be citizens of heaven. Again, do you get this? It's like the other one, the last verse. Not we will be seated in heavenly places. He has seated us in heavenly places. And this is we are citizens of heaven. And for a little bit of context here, this is written to the Philippians, lived in a city called Philippi, a city of about 10,000 people, which was a massive cultural and social um, melting pot. Okay, pretty tense. Um, sort of demographically. So they largely spoke Greek, but their cultural ethos was very Roman. And you were meant to bring with you, so, so if you were a citizen in Philippi, you basically got all the privileges of being a Roman citizen because you were a colony of Rome. You got tax breaks. It was easier to make money if you were a Roman citizen living in Philippi. That's all really good. But the trade-off was you had to act like a Roman. You were to represent Rome. And this is exactly what Paul's doing when he calls on this language. The word that he uses here for citizens and citizenship is this word politiuma, which is the, the, like the word commonwealth or colony. He's saying, we are a colony of heaven. Now, if you're representing a colony, you bring with you the principles and the ideals and the way of life of the mothership of the homeland, right? And this is what Paul is, he's, he's calling on language that they're all very familiar with. That's a word that only appears in the Bible once because it was mainly a, like it was a secular word, not a Christianese kind of word. All around us, we see earthly realities of doubt and fear and sickness and oppression and division and judgment. But as the people of heaven, people of the colony of heaven, we're to bring the principles and the way of life and the things of heaven into that mess. We're to be like the, the colony agents of heaven on earth. And what does that look like? How? Like those little purple spots on the, on the video? Like how do we do that? How do we, how do we be purple? Like we've got a lot of red going on in us and I want the blue going on in me and I see the little Jesus figure and He's purple and I wanna be a little purple hotspot going around where I am, bringing heaven on earth, my presence. How do I do that? It's not some high, holy, complicated thing. It's when we love. 
It's when we give of ourselves to others. It's when we point people towards hope and peace. It's when we bring connection instead of division. It's when we pray. Gosh, it's when we pray. It's when, we, it's when, when people are healed. It's when we walk in kindness. It's when we free the oppressed. It's when we give to people who need it. It's when we encourage people's faith. It's when you get around one of the young people who's been at summer camp and feed into their life. It's when you stand up for justice. It's when you listen. You're bringing little invasions of heaven into earth everywhere you go. Those little spots of purple. I said once up here, I don't remember when, but I've always loved that image. You're a cathedral with skin on. You're a living temple. You're an ark of His presence. Use whatever image you want. That's what you are. That's what I am. And this cathedral feels pretty broken down at times. It's got spiderwebs in it. It's, you know, it's not always perfect. But it's, it needs to be a place where people can come and find sanctuary. Like a, like a cathedral was. A meeting of heaven and earth. Heaven is God's space. Heaven is now. Heaven is near. And like they said in the video, it's God's desire that heaven and earth will be reunited, which is what will, you know, if you fast forward to Roman, uh, sorry, to Revelation 21, you'll read about that. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. But right now we don't live in that. We live in this kind of messy place where the right side up kingdom and the upside down kingdom, they're kind of meeting each other in a bit of a mess. But I think if we're aware of that, and we cultivate an awareness of the kingdom of heaven, then we can start to find ways to bring that about. And Jesus has given us one really clear way to bring it about when He told us how to pray. In praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've been appropriating that to just whatever situation I've been in over the last couple of weeks. Even when it's all going to pot, when I've been hanging with the kids and they're losing their minds, And I'm just going to God, your kingdom come, your will be done here now, God. Like you're just in me before I lose the plot and get cranky again. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What does your will be done look like right now when the room's just been trashed again and somebody's drawn on something? What does your kingdom come, your will be done look like when my symptoms flare up and I'm having a bit of trouble breathing? What does your kingdom come, your will be done look like when Will's just given me a call to let me know that a guy that we're both friends with has passed away? What does your kingdom come, your will be done look like in your life right now? So I want you to take a moment. If you're comfortable, you can extend your hands or if not, just just whatever. Just, Just close your eyes though for a minute. And I want you to just imagine the reality of heaven. Imagine the reality of heaven, not pie in the sky floating around cherubs with harps, the kingdom of heaven as right with you where you are, breaking in a a dimension that is right here at hand. It is in reach. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is amongst you. You are seated in heavenly places. You are a citizen of heaven. Not you will be one day, you are. If you are in Jesus, you are. And now I want you to think of something going on in your world right now that is very much earth, that is upside down, 
that is not welcome in that kingdom of heaven. And in that place, in that tension right now, of those two worlds colliding, Holy Spirit, we just ask You to show us what it would look like for heaven to invade. We just creatively imagine that right now, Lord God. Work in our minds to show us what does it look like as heaven overlaps that space? What could it look like for heaven to change things, to break in? And you've, hold, you've told us how to pray that in. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in that situation as it is right now in your space, as it is right now in that dimension where everything is as it should be. Holy Spirit, break in. Holy Spirit, invade earth with heaven around us, in us, through us. Let's pray that line from the Lord's Prayer together, from the Our Father, just going through. And I don't care if our translations are a little bit different. It doesn't matter. It'll be a bit of a a godly mess. Why don't we pray this out loud? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's say that again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, we thank You. We thank You that heaven is near. We thank You that heaven is at hand. We thank You that heaven is a breath away. And like David said in the Psalms, where can I go from Your presence? If I go to the highest heights, You are there. If I go to the lowest depths, You are there. So no matter what situation we are in or how holy or unholy we feel or how in Your presence or not in Your presence we feel, You are here. And we just pray that You would come and invade our space, Lord God. Come and break in. Bring your right side up kingdom, Lord God. And if you're sitting here going, okay, I don't know that. I don't know that world. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm a citizen of heaven. You can be. It literally is just Jesus taking away your red stuff, like on the, on the video. If you want to be, then as we're sitting there and as we're gonna be worshipping, hand it to Him. Say, Jesus, I wanna be an agent of Your Kingdom. I wanna be a citizen of Your Kingdom. I wanna follow after You. Take my sin, take my mess, take my mistakes, take my ugliness and my brokenness and make me whole. Let me burn beautiful and lovely and righteous and holy for You, Lord God. Help us see reality as it really is. Because you know that right side up kingdom, that's more real than this. What you can touch, smell, see and hear, that's a fraction of reality. That heavenly reality is more real than this. Lord God, we wanna be aware of our citizenship in heaven. And we want to bring that with us, spreading those little purple pockets everywhere we go. Your will being done through us and in us and around us. You are so good to us, Lord.
We thank you for your kingdom and we thank you that it is at hand. Yeah, let's worship together.